Blog Talk Radio. Jeff is uh, too busy doing actual real-world shit, but we've got with us uh, regulars Graham and Kyle. Graham, Kyle, how are you doing? Good, good. I'm eating a peanut butter pie blizzard. Oh, right. oh those are amazing. Yeah, they're they're spectacular. I'm not much of a Dairy Queen fan, but uh, this thing is this thing's amazing. Is the s'more still around? That uh, yeah, the s'more blizzard is uh, amazing. I, I can't touch anything while the s'mores is out. That's just the best thing. But that's not important right now. What's important right now is that we've got a very special guest, um, Mr. Michael Petrella, formerly of the production line, now runs uh, TPL Hockey, at TPL Hockey on Twitter, and uh, wrote uh, kind of an interesting piece for uh, for us, and, and it was also posted over at the Malik Report and DetroitHockey.net. Uh, Michael, how's it going? Good, man. Thank you for having me back. It's been a little while. And uh, before we get into anything, I want to thank you guys for posting the article, as well as George Malik and Clark uh, at DetroitHockey.net. I asked all three places if they wouldn't mind posting it, and within minutes, they didn't care what the content was. They said yes, and that means a lot to me. So sincerely appreciate it. Absolutely. It was was an interesting topic because it was something that we'd – it's been kind of – uh, between the, the backs and the fronts of our mind for quite a while, the the concept that the the coverage among the mainstream media in Detroit just seems to be lacking. So, what was uh, yeah. was it the Cleary thing? That was your final straw that you just finally had to ask those questions? Or yeah, that was the final straw. I mean, it, it started a long time before that, and I know we're all kind of you know it's been a, a thing for years that we kind of mock that there's not a whole lot of great coverage and. You know, the thing that really pissed me off started the ball rolling was on July 1st when, you know, things were were happening that seemed counter to what we'd been told by by these gentlemen and ladies. And, you know, the the Airhoff thing, it it just kind of struck me as I don't think they even bothered to ask the right questions. You know, what we were being told was that, you know, we were out of the running because he wanted five years or, or more. And we weren't willing to do that. And then he signs a one-year deal, which, frankly, could have been a HOSA situation where he just wanted to go to Pittsburgh and he wanted an opportunity to play for a team that he sees has the opportunity to win now. And that makes sense. That's, you know, that's nobody's fault. But it just read like they knew for sure, you know, they got some information that was valuable and they ran with it. And it ended up being bullshit. And whether it's bullshit because, you know, Erhoff's agent said that, that's one thing. But if it's bullshit, they just kind of made up because it seemed plausible and it was a good guess. So that's not good journalism. So when the Cleary thing happened and all three came out nearly verbatim, not verbatim enough to just kind of be a press release, um, it struck me as these people have an inside track. They've been given this information. They had quotes from people that are important enough to get quotes from. Um, None of us had any idea that it was coming. Obviously, it was kind of something that they, they mentioned was a possibility. But then when it came out, it was like, well, you know, I don't, 
I don't understand how they can get away with with posting essentially the exact same article as one another um, at the exact same time. At the very least, it's collusion that they're getting together and saying we're not going to one-up one another. We're just going to present the facts as they've been given, and we're going to make it so that there's no competition. And I don't know that that's a good way of doing things. Again, I'm not a journalist, so I don't know that it's not the right way to do things, but I do know that we get the lowest common denominator of, of media when that's the way things are run. So when that Cleary thing happened, it was the last straw for me, like you said. I said, look, you know, I don't know why it doesn't bother anyone else. It's the kind of thing that someone just needs to kind of ask about. And, you know, you guys know me well enough to know I've never been afraid to kind of ask questions that some people may not like to hear the answers to. But, you know, I, what do I have to lose? It seemed like the kind of conversation that needs to be had. And who better than some schmuck with nothing to lose, to, you know, to start that conversation? <laughs> so I figured, what the hell, let's do it. Right. You know, Mike, I, 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 I Go ahead. Yeah. I, the thing that's been funny is, like, I've had that same thought process since, like, probably the middle of the regular season, or probably before that, when all the injuries started rolling in. And I was seeing the coverage from, you know, from the, the main diggers, and I was like, this is the same thing. Like, it is, li- like, I don't need to go read uh, M Live and then go read the press. It's literally, you know, I mean, within – it's you know, some of it is verbatim, some of it isn't whatever, but it's the same, it's the same shit. So it's like, yeah. and it's, it's frustrating to me because um, it's like packaged, it's like processed, it's, you know, it's like a, an Oscar, My- it's a, it's like an Oscar Mayer wiener to me, you know, it's just, you know, it's nothing special and, and it's and frustrating actually- as a fan, it's frustrating as a, a blogger. Right. And that's something that I touched on. I, I meant to touch on. I, I feel like I did, but it was it was kind of like if you're a casual fan and you read one of those papers, you're getting enough. And, you, you know, it really does right. sense. You know, it, it'd be like if I were reading about baseball, you know, I don't I don't know anything about baseball. And if I came across right, an article yeah. like the ones that that the Detroit media write, write about the Red Wings, it would seem plausible enough and I'd move on and get on with my day. But for those of us that mm-hmm. want more and know there are more questions to be asked that no one's asking, it's frustrating. And, you know, that, right. that, that audience is the same audience that, you know, what I wrote was for, because for the casual fan, yeah. like, you know, it's going to, it's going to sound like bitching and it's going to sound like nitpicking. And that's, you know, that's true. But for those of us that know enough about this game and have been around long enough to kind of understand where the pitfalls are in the coverage, it's a question that I think needed to be asked, and I don't expect an answer, frankly. But, you know, it's all it does is get the conversation started, whether that's just amongst us or with the team. It, that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the article started out with kind of what uh, a lot of us just kind of have assumed for a while, that that the reason that it's all the same canned answers from all the diggers at the same time is that they are just uh, mouthpieces for the organization. They're told what to print out, and it's the 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 carrot of access is dangled in front of them, and if they don't toe the, line, the company line, then uh, they can get cut off. And, and since there's obviously – uh, two or, or three other regular diggers that are going to be there printing off the same shit. It's no no skin off the organization's uh, back. But uh, as you went on and 
and collected the the information from from all the various sources and and you wrote out what they were all saying did you come to a, a different conclusion because i know there was just there was a lot of a lot of information there and a lot of different conclusions uh came drawn i was wondering what what was your main conclusion after asking these questions um i never felt like it was my place to kind of make a conclusion my my goal here was just kind of investigate why things are the way that they are and it's funny that since the article was published, I've heard from a handful of people via email with some unbelievable stories. Like, I, I don't know what to do with them. I feel like doing a second one of these would be, you know, piling on and, and fairly useless. Like, it, you know, I don't know what what good could come of it. But, you know, there are some stories that absolutely confirm, you know, the first part of that article where, you know, there's a little bit of strong-handedness going on, or at least there was at the time when, when this person was involved. And, you know, it, it seems like to me that the people with middling access blame the team for being strong-handed, and the team seems to blame the writers for being lazy. And then the writers kind of sort of blame us for expecting them to do more with their access, which is kind of an attitude that the national writer condemns. And, you know, I, I thought it was it was I thought it was wise to end with Bruce McLeod because he sort of presented it as a way of saying, "Look, this is why they act the way that they do. Um, you've got to get along with your neighbors and the people that you share an office with, so to speak." And it sort of humanized the fact that they are doing what they feel is the best for themselves and the people that they spend their time with. You know, yeah. we could all argue all day and all night whether that's responsible journalism or, or, or whatever. But, you know, I, I feel like it wasn't necessarily my place to come up with a conclusion since everyone was pointing the finger at someone else. And I don't know what's what's right and what's wrong. I'm just kind of passing along the little tidbits of information that I got. But, you know, I, I think in my opinion, I think everyone's a little to blame because we've got a team that refuses access to anyone except for a handful of people. And those handful of people are objectively terrible at this. Like, there's there's no other way to, to say it. Like, they none of them seem to give a shit about doing a little bit more and, and kind of separating themselves from a pack of, of boring. So, you know, I whether you think that the team is more to blame because they don't allow anyone else access or the writers are to blame because they don't do anything more than the bare minimum – then you know I I don't know how to answer that I I think that it's a nice a nice mix of the two I think if it were my choice I'd probably blame the writers more than the team the team is a private organization they're not obligated by any means to allow seven people or twelve people or certain kinds of people that they don't already allow it's their call if they want the coverage to be crappy then so be it but it's up to the, it's the responsibility of the journalists to do journalism you know that's kind of the way I feel I, I mean if, if you're asking my personal opinion. I would say that that's probably the way I would lean, but I don't think anyone's without fault. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I will say I, I did like the uh, the fact that the McLeod finished it. And also, uh, because especially what he said about how if you ask these guys, they'll give you straight answers. And a couple of things that have come out since that article, like the, the Babcock interview on 105 was yeah. probably the best interview I've, I've heard in, in a long time. And it right. wasn't – the questions weren't necessarily hard hitting, but they were straightforward, and they gave Babcock the opportunity to speak. And, and I think the fact yeah, that it wasn't I, uh, it wasn't filtered through the editorial process either. It was just a live interview really helped. 
Yeah. And then yeah. Yeah. I believe it was Ken Holland gave an interview. Was was that George Sippel at the the free? Um, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, where he I'm not sure. He was that. a lot more. He was a lot more diplomatic, but essentially one of the things he said about the the criticisms was like I've got this group of guys that I'm asking, and they've got jobs of hockey experience, and it was it was almost uh, a more uh, diplomatic way of, of what Babcock said. Of, if we start listening to the media, we're going to be in the media soon. Um, right. Ken Holland did not right say it because it's not his job to, and it would piss off everybody if he did. But he basically said, um, honestly, it, it's not my job to listen to to all of you. It's my job to listen to people who who know hockey. Uh, and so, I, you know, right. for what it's worth, I asked I asked him the same thing. But when I got to travel with the team to Nashville and and uh, spend the weekend with them, and I had the opportunity to sit down with him and just kind of shoot the shit and he is wonderful, you know, and we're going to, we can question his management the last couple of summers and, you know, his asset management, I've always questioned, but um, there's no denying he's a, he's a a great, great man who's very, very smart and cares a great deal. And, you know, I asked him all kinds of stuff and he, he didn't one time ask me not to publish something and he, he was very open and honest and forthright and it was wonderful to have that conversation with him and I even asked him how much stock the players put into things and I was actually looking out for my own ass because I had to get on a metal tube with Todd Bertuzzi um, but <laughs> he he kind of told me what I sort of suspected was that you know they, the players rarely get sucked into this kind of thing and if they do they don't really care because they understand that the people that have, have written it um, know less about their situations than they do. And I, you know, that's obviously a very fair, you know, there's no way that any writer could know what it's like to be a national hockey league player in 2014. You know, it's just kind of, there's a different world that they live in and you know, they, they don't put too much stock in, in what the media says. And that's probably for the best, frankly, uh, it'd be easy to get kind of sucked into that, you know, rabbit hole. And, you know, they, they have their, their brains on more important things. Like their groins. <laughs> Double edge right there. I've got interesting information on that as well, by the way. i got to reiterate that. Um, oh, yeah. Now, yeah, a little bit. It's not – you know how everybody just keeps blaming Pete Van Zandt and everything. Um, I think it's, it has a lot to do with – I'm not going to name names, but I think it has a lot to do with someone who runs the uh, the conditioning of the players, um, the mm-hmm. way his style is. Um, that's right. And that's what and that's what I heard from the horse's mouth is that they've kind of frowned upon a, a certain way that he does things. So, um, whatever. Anyway, not the Kyle. What's well, it, Dominic? That that actually does tie back into the the topic itself because that was one of the things that happened uh, last right. last year, and that was one of my criticisms of of the diggers is that. Uh, the blogs, uh, not just us, but I mean everybody out there, and, and Twitter, and the fan base was asking, like, "What, the, fuck? what yeah. the hell is going on with all of these injuries? Um, is there something wrong with the way the team is is doing this? Because this seems absolutely insane. That that it, this just can't be dumb luck." And it took uh, weeks yeah. of that before anybody bothered asking. Or mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not sure if it took weeks before anybody bothered asking. It took weeks before we even got a, an indication from somebody close to the organization that they were like, oh yeah, this is a problem and it's something that we're looking into. 
And it was a kind of a non-committal answer we got. It's like, oh yeah, we're we're doing a review of our processes, which is fine. I mean, some information is is better than none. And it took yeah. weeks of of the fan base kind of chewing our own faces off over it before uh, before that question got asked and answered. And I feel that that's been the the common thread is that it, it takes us a few weeks to ask questions or to wildly speculate and to start fires before they get warm enough to uh, to actually show up at the team's doorstep. Yeah. Right. And for for what it's worth, one of the other I've heard from somebody else, and I hate to keep teasing these things, but you know it's information that's come since the article's written, and I certainly appreciate people's thoughts. But um, somebody else who does the national beat, um, not the man who's quoted in the article, but somebody different, um, he told me that he was in Detroit one time for a game, and you know the the three diggers as we know them. Uh, we're surrounding everybody, and he just kind of joined the scrums because that's what you do to keep the players from doing 38 interviews after a game. And there was, I guess, a very specific situation, and he didn't want to give give me the situation because it would have given away who he was, apparently. But uh, something that was very obvious, a question that was very obvious, everyone in the world would have wanted to know the answer to, something that pertained to that game and that player and the three uh, beat writers who were in the room just kind of said, all right, well, thanks for your time and walked away. And he had this dumbfounded look on his face and finally just asked it. Cause he's like, well, if no one else is going to ask it. I'll ask it. And I guess the three, the three beat writers turned around and just like gave him, shot him the dirtiest look. Like, how dare you ask a question that's, <laughs> you know, has some, has some sort of substance to it. And, you know, again, I'm not in the, in the locker room when these kinds of things happen. So I don't know that that's true, but I, this is a guy I trust and I, I've, I've known him for a long time, and you know, he doesn't have any reason to make that shit up. So, I, you know, I, right. I I can see that happening, that, you know, that he, he's he's interested in what the world will be interested in, and they just kind of blew right past it. And, you know, that's, that's sort of, uh, you know, indicative of what the problem is, is that, you know, obviously other people do have access from time to time. He's a national guy, so he travels a little bit more. And he's not there all the time, but when he's in Detroit, he's he's got a free pass. So he wanted, he asked the questions that people want to hear the answers to, and the rest of them just kind of wandered off. And you know he was flabbergasted that they would there'd be three of them, and they would all you know avoid what was supposedly an obvious question. Right. So is it a professional courtesy right. thing, or is it a it's not his job as a national writer thing? Because that, that that's a story to me. That is something that as a fan of yeah. the Red Wings, I want to hear if. There is a clear, like, hey, I was the only reporter in the room to ask this obvious. That I want to know that. Um, is that yeah. just like something yeah. that's not done? I don't I don't have the answer to that. I, the only experience I can speak to firsthand is when I was at the draft in 2010. And there were a handful of writers there that I recognized. They didn't send a whole lot because in L.A., you know, I can't you can't say you blame the newspapers for not sending people across the country for something that – you know, in the grand scheme of things, people don't really care about. Um, so I, I'd say there was about a half dozen people there covering the Red Wings. And when they brought Riley Sheehan out from underneath the bowels of the arena and they set him up on this little, it was kind of like an elevated stage. It was only maybe three feet off the ground, but there was a, a microphone at it and he could sit behind a little podium and answer your questions. Well, I, I was just, you know, who I was. I, I didn't feel like it was my place to kind of, you know, start this conversation but he sat down and like five or six seconds went by and they just stared at him like no no one said a word and the kid was like visibly shaking he's an 18 year old child who was just drafted into the nhl these are the first questions that are going to be asked to him and no one says a word so i did 
you know, and I, I, all I asked was, did you have any idea that the Red Wings were interested? And I got some of the same dirty looks, like, I'm like, what the hell are we supposed to do? Just stare, stare at this kid? Like, you know, he's, he's here to answer questions and no one's asking them. And then I asked the follow-up if, you know, he'd heard from the Red Wings whether they prefer him to stay. He was already done with his freshman year at Notre Dame if they were mm-hmm. expecting him to stay all the way through because they like to let kids play three years of college hockey, but he had an early birthday, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, they, they almost got annoyed that, like, I was asking questions that were knowledgeable in some respect. Um, they yeah. kind of, as soon as I was done with that, they started asking, you know, who was your favorite team growing up? And you know, stuff that is interesting, but it's like, Jesus, man. I Google him in the, in the 10 minutes between his name is called and he comes out to the podium. You know, find something out about him. I know not everyone's as into right. it as I am, but these are the kinds of things that, you know, if you're going to, why bother being there? If you're not going to, you know, if you're just going to toss softballs, you can toss softballs from the phone. Yeah, especially if it's like available on everybody's draft page. Right. You know, and you know, Mike, I thought about it, and it's like the more and more I think, like, if, if the normal, like, if a normal person who is, let's say, works for normal, you know, like uh, average Joe blog, uh, somehow gets credentials into uh, a couple of the Red Wings games a year and and asks those questions, um, like, just thinking, like, the the person, like, uh, you know, the obvious, the obvious alpha of the beat writer pack, um, just like what you'll be dealing with, you know, like the 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 shunning that you'll be dealing with, um, because I won't name names, obviously, because I, you know, I'm not I'm not a writer or anything, but I do value my reputation to a certain extent. I just thought um, when I was at development camp, there was an obvious, um, and I don't pro- I probably don't have to say the name to you, Mike, but there was an obvious bad vibe from a certain writer that was just giving mm-hmm. off to 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 other, to the blogger people, like the Malik, and then the, you know, the people like yeah. me and uh, Oxford, and it was just like an obvious bad vibe, and it's just like, yeah. all right, let's, just, you know, we're just here, we're asking our questions, you know, our petty right. questions, or writing our stupid little articles, <laughs> you know, just right. let us do our thing. Yeah. No, I, I've know, actually heard the same, I, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it's the same the same alpha. I, I always hear the same thing about the same one of them. And, you know, I, I'm not going to guess as to why the attitude, but, you know, I, right. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they're a little, a little perturbed that there's people kind of stepping in on their turf. And this is turf that they have held down for a long time and they value it. And they yeah. probably perceive this as their, this is their job. And, you know, to some extent, I, I, I understand the hesitation because the, you know, the bloggers aren't really, you know, they don't have an editor, so to speak, and they don't have a, you know, a a body of work to refer to. And like that, I I get it. I understand it. But the way that the world's going is that this traditional, I I don't, I'm frankly, I'm shocked there's still two newspapers in Detroit, you know? So, you know, I'm sure they're hanging on for as much as, as they, as they can. But on the other side of that coin is, don't you think that they would want to make it a little bit better then? Like I, doing the bare minimum is not the way to hang on to the, an already dying medium, but you know. Mm-hmm. Then again, I'm I'm not in, entrenched in that world, so I I don't I can't really speak you know firsthand about it. But I've heard the same thing you've heard that the, you know there there are people that just absolutely don't want you around, and are going to be all jets versus sharks about it. And you know that's that's the way it's going to be. Right. 
So one of the, uh, the things about uh, the discussion on the article, and it, it ties back to what uh, what Ansar said, is like basically, well, it's not my job to to criticize. Um, right. I mean, obviously, I, I think that that was a a market that just misread by a lot of people that, that thinks that there's an assumption that we're asking the diggers to criticize rather than just ask good questions. Um, right. Have you heard back anything from uh, Helene or Plinus or uh, Petty Colfin or, or any of that? No, I heard from uh, Colfin before, like the weekend before it was published. He said he's on vacation. He'll get back to me on Monday, and he didn't, and that's fine. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure I would. Ex- I expected them to. Mr. Khan was very kind and generous with his time, and I certainly appreciate him taking the time and answering those questions. And you know, I I got the feeling he was a little bit defensive, but you know, I guess I can't really blame him. I came I came at him full tilt. Like I didn't I didn't ease into it. I was just like, why are things this way? Are you being coerced by the team? Have they ever you know threatened to revoke your privileges if you don't toe the line? Like I I went right at it and. You know, I'm sure he was kind of like, whoa, you know, and <laughs> everything he said I put in I put in there. So, you know, he he made it clear that, no, they do not, you know, kind of threaten to revoke my access if I don't, you know, say what they want me to say. But it's not my place to kind of expound and, and you know, do anything other than report the news, which fine. But then whose job is it? You know, if it's not your job, um, which, by the way, it should be, uh, if it's not your job, it's got to be somebody's. But nobody else has the opportunity to ask the questions that need to be asked. So, you know, I get it, but I don't agree with him. Um, respect his his you know willingness to speak so openly about it. But you know, the the fact is, like, if, if it's not his his place to ask those questions, then who does he expect it to be done by? You know, he he's aware that there's only three of them in the room, and when when Ted Colfin's around, he's not one of the traveling beat writers, so he's, as far as I'm concerned, less culpable than the other three. Um, yeah. You know that. You know the, who's who who is supposed to be doing that? You know, and I, I didn't want to I didn't want to put him on blast because that's not a question he should. If that really isn't his job, he doesn't need to know the answer to that question. So you know I you know I I don't know man I just I felt like if it's not your place to say something then I think we all have to agree that the Red Wings at least have to offer the opportunity to someone else, whether that's someone who doesn't travel with them the whole time. Maybe they're just around every other week or something. I don't, I don't care what the situation is, but if there's more questions to be asked, someone's got to be there to ask them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's not going to be the diggers, it should be the yeah, column. Now, I will say that right. uh, in answer to that concept of, well, it's just my my job to report the facts, um, one of the other criticisms I have of, of the diggers specifically is that it doesn't always come across that they're just reporting the facts. It it comes yeah. across as authoritative and sometimes a little, um, I mean, to put it nicely, right. uh, just a little bit ball-gargling for my tastes, mm-hmm. um, yep. especially with the how much the, the loyalty angle got. I mean, obviously, that was the, the organization's answer, too, but... Yeah, I mean, you can't tell me there wasn't at least a little bit of editorialization snuck into those digger reports that was uh, right. lipstick putting some lipstick on the pig there. So yeah, okay, I, I seems I, like it only I, goes I, one way. Uh, yeah, it's just it's my job to report the facts, and these are the facts as I've got them. It's not my job to 
to ask the tough questions or try to trick them into into revealing all their secrets. But okay, fine. But if if it's gonna read like you're leaning the other way, then yeah, it is it is your goddamn job. Right. 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 So that's my two cents yeah. on that. Um, I actually had some uh, some reader questions. Um, we'll we'll get to those. The first one was pretty simple. It was just uh, somebody just wants to know more about your your background with the wings. Could you tell us a, about that? Yeah, it's not much of a story, frankly. I I grew up in Michigan. Um, my parents are both huge hockey fans, and I've been going to games since I was an infant. And before you had to buy a ticket for the small butt accompanying you. Um, but you know, I I left Detroit. I graduated high school, and I went to Chicago to to uh, go to school and play hockey. And after that was over, I moved to New York for work. And you know, so I I haven't lived at home, and it's almost 15 years now. So. It all kind of started in terms of what I'm sure they're referring to is, you know, I met Rob Disher at a bar in Washington, D.C., and we were both there for work, which was very odd because he lives in Texas and I lived in New York at the time. And we just wanted a place to watch the Red Wings play a playoff game. And, you know, I saw someone else with a wing shirt on and I'm like, well, here's a guy I'll get along with. And, um, you know, a couple a couple years went by and he, he had always wanted to start a blog. And I was frankly unfamiliar and very hesitant because you know I, I work in the media a very different kind of section of the media than than this but mm-hmm. you know the last thing i wanted was to spend more of my time doing something that is very time consuming but um eventually we we got there and said yeah what the hell let's do it and it became it became pretty popular pretty quickly and you know we're very fortunate for that i think we i think we struck while the iron was hot and offered something that that no one else was at the time and you know i i enjoyed very much doing what we did and you know things came along little things would would pop up here and there opportunities to kind of do something a little bit fun and once in a while the red wings were were in, in on it and involved and you know thought it was the greatest thing in the world and you know so one thing led to another so to speak and i, I made friends with some people that work at the with the team and you know whenever I was home, I made it a point to kind of, you know, say, if you want to grab a beer, let's grab a beer. You know, it doesn't have to be about trying to get our foot in the door because I, I could care less. I lived, especially at that time, I lived 10, 12 hours away. And what the hell am I going to do with the kind of access that people are usually angling for? So, yeah. you know, my, uh-oh, we got some trouble over there. <laughs> but right. We had, uh, but so we had, uh, you know, we had a good relationship with the team. They, they allowed us to do some things that, you know, most people don't get to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I, you know, I, I certainly don't, I, I don't poo poo the times that I did have working with them, but uh, something that also came up with Mr. Khan's part of the article was that, you know, they've been so good for so long is, you know, I don't think it's right to criticize them. Well, I, I, I don't agree with that sentiment either. Like, you know, I, I think that it's, it's perfectly all right to kind of question what they're doing. And, you know, if they react poorly to that questioning, well, that says a hell of a lot about, you know, their stance. You know, frankly, if if we were to kind of criticize what they did and that's what got us cut off from, you know, even just the press release email list, which is what I think happened, you know, I can't be sure, but that's what I think happened. You know, that says an awful lot. You know, they don't like us because we said something that they didn't really agree with or didn't like. And they, that's kind of a, 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 a big enough thing in its own right. Um, 
but you know, as time went on, we had less and less time to kind of to kind of produce what we were producing, and we were very proud of what we were able to do when we had the time to do it. Guests went away, and then the you know the whole site went away, and you know, I I can't say that I miss doing it because it was very very time consuming to do it, um, you know, with the kind of intensity that we did it with, but. Um, I loved being a part of the community and I loved what, what we were able to accomplish simply by meeting the people like you guys and, and so many others that, you know, come together for H2H or, you know, something completely ridiculous like the curly fries thing, you know, like it, we had a <laughs> lot of fun. We really, really did. But, you know, a time came that it was time to kind of put it aside and, and, uh, you know, I think that, Part of that was that we were no longer, you know, we were having conversations with the Red Wings about things that, that we wanted to do together. And, you know, the the Red Wings actually initiated that conversation. And, you know, we were very excited because it was like, you know, even though we're not going to move back home for this, I mean, the, the kind of things that we liked to do, we could do from anywhere. And, you know, we offered a whole lot of ideas and, and then, you know, something, something happened and that conversation ended and, you know, you can't blame anyone. If, if things came up and they got busy, they got busy, but we certainly had the perception like it was a result of something that we had done. And the only thing that we can, we could think of was that, you know what, they obviously didn't like something that we're doing or they don't like the way that we're starting to question the things that no one else questions. And, you know, I can't, again, I can't say for sure that's what it was, but it certainly felt that way. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't begrudge them of that. It's their right completely. We were nobody, you know, they don't, they didn't, they didn't owe us anything. So they, you know, they, I don't feel bad, you know, that, that, that it came to an end, um, but it certainly did. And then, you know, a year or two later, we, it just kind of became time for us to move on and, and step aside. And it became a little more daunting than it used to be. It used to be more fun. So, that's kind of my background with the production line, especially, but, um, you know, I'll be a Red Wings fan till the day I die. And it's got nothing to do with the way they handle right. the media and vice versa. Like I, I grew up, I grew up from infancy, a Red Wings fan. And I, you know, I, you know, I don't want to be smirch the, the organization, but I also don't think it's a bad thing to question what they're doing. I think that any organization with their salt would either have an answer or welcome the criticism. So here we are. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Love and blind obedience are, are two separate uh, concepts. Yeah. Um, Scotty Too Shoddy asked, uh, he said, firstly, he would like to say that he really enjoyed the piece. Uh, found portions of it quite insightful based on the conclusion, though. I wonder if the article would have been better served focusing on the repetition of content from the diggers due to either lack of effort or resources. It's not quite as sexy or sensational as the Red Wings' iron grip on the media relations angle, which evidently had very little basis. Uh, if you had the chance again, would you approach it in the same way? Yeah, and I read that earlier, and my initial very natural smart ass reaction to it is that I didn't write it for course credit. And if people needed to be told what to think they can see St. James in the free press, but um, a more thoughtful way of responding to that is that actually something we touched on a few minutes ago is that my intentions were simply to explore the way that why things are the way they are, you know, and I, I had full knowledge that it may not make much of a difference that very little is going to change because you know, they're a notoriously stubborn organization and group of people that we're talking about. 
you know, what we found was a complete opposite of a consensus. You know, we've already kind of touched on this, is that those with a little access think the team is at fault. The team thinks that the writers are at fault. The writers, you know, seem to be a little bit lazy or unwilling to do the job that only they can do. So I, I kind of left it up to those that were reading to make their own conclusions. And, I, you know, I, I accept that the conclusion may have been a bit weak from, you know, a, uh, that kind of standpoint, and, you know, I, I didn't want that. I didn't want everyone to kind of be, you know, kind of left hanging off a cliff without, you know, a direction to point. But at the same time, I was hoping that people would kind of make up their own mind since I don't have the answer. You know, I think that everyone is a little to blame. I think that the team is to blame, like we've already talked about. You know, they don't – they only allow these three, sometimes four people to cover the team, and they don't do it well. So, you know, whether you think one is more responsible than the other, I, you know, I, I wouldn't tell you you were wrong. If you told me that's absolutely the team's fault, you know, I couldn't I couldn't disagree with you. If you told me it was absolutely the writer's fault, I also couldn't agree, disagree with you. So if I had to do it again, you know, I, I think I would approach it the same way, but maybe, you know, try to track down a few more examples, you know, to substantiate some of the things that were claimed. Um, what's funny is that since it's been – since it's been published, I've gotten a hell of a lot more that could you know, it's certainly juicier than the first one is. But, you know, like we mentioned mm -hmm. before, I think it'd just be, it'd be piling on. So, you know, I don't know that there is ever going to be a solution. I think it's going to be one of these things we're stuck on a hamster wheel for. And you know, that's, that's kind of a bummer. But, you know, I, I, I wish that I could have been like, boom, here's the answer. But that's just not the way that it worked, you know. And I, right. I really do wish that it could have been, it could have been, you know, firm evidence pointing to one person or the other and say, this is why it sucks. But, you know, that's not what we found. Everyone is pointing a different direction, which, which frankly, I, I feel like is, is a good story anyway. You know, if everyone's pointing a different direction, that means everyone thinks it's not their fault. It's someone else's fault and no one's taking responsibility for it being absolutely shabby. So, you know, I, I, I do, are there things I wish I would have done differently? Not really, but I do wish that I was able to kind of get more of the story prior just to kind of have more angles but the fact is even the stuff that's come in since then it doesn't it doesn't focus the blame at all and i've had people that have who have substantiated the thing about john Hahn, who have said i worked for him in that office it's exactly how he says it is and he absolutely threatened to revoke access i've seen him do it i've heard him do it you know i i can if i included that does it change the story no because they still do have writers that aren't willing to do the job so all we would have done is kind of add more, add more evidence on either side of the scales, so to speak. So, you know, I respect that there's not that, you know, he, he, he's a little bit disappointed that I wasn't able to kind of, you know, put a sexy bow on it. And so am I, frankly, I wish I, I wish we could have solved this. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that it would have solved it, you know, in a tangible way, but it would have at least forced them to address it. At this point, there's still, you know, plausible deniability on, on everyone's part. They can still say it's the team. They can still say it's the writers. They can still say it's our fault for expecting too much. So, you know, I, I really do wish that there was a, a solution, but there's not going to be one. And as far as his last point, um, I, I think it may have been wise to focus on the fact that everything is similar. You know, I, I think that that was kind of the basis for, for jumping in, you know, I don't know that I would have gotten an answer from anyone as to why they're all similar other than the one given by the former wing employee who said that they're all buddies and they, you know, they don't want to, you know, encroach on one another's territory, so to speak. So they kind of, you know, get together and make it all nice and fuzzy and, and all publish at the same time. So, 
you know, I, whether you think that's a story worth exploring or not, I, you know, I don't know because I, I was hoping to get something a little bit larger. But you know, that that criticism is certainly fair. You know, I, I don't know that I would do it differently, but I also don't know that there would have been a way to solve this in a way that anyone would have been satisfied with. Yeah, honestly, if, uh, if the case is that all the diggers are, are buddies, then what I want to see coming out of that is I want to see a. 30 minutes every week on Fox Sports Detroit of the the Chuck Ansar and, and Helene uh, sitcom. It seems like they may they would make strange buddies. Like they're all uh, different. They would get into wacky shenanigans every week. Right. Well, you know something that great. was something that was posed to me um, that I didn't publish because it, you know they asked me not to was you know that the fact is you know. It, they they don't want none of these professional writers want to kind of be, you know, one portion of the story, which is actually something that Bruce McLeod said as well. That you know he doesn't, you know, when there's four of you in the room, you don't want to be one fourth of the story. You want to get the whole story, which is fair. And you know I, I feel like that's a professional way of approaching anything you do in life. However, you know when all four of you are doing a, a relatively mediocre job, I don't think anyone wins. I think everyone loses. So you know I I don't. I don't know that it would – I think you would be ostracized if you were – like Bruce used to be. And, you know, I, this, now we're getting a little bit romantic because if, we all remember Bruce McLeod when he was on the beat. It was wonderful. He always had something different to say, and his coverage was always the one that I looked most forward to. And, you know, the reason for that was that he he, he asked some questions that, that no one else did. And whether he did that, you know, away from the pack and that kind of made him ostracized by the group, I I have no idea. I didn't think to ask him that. But, you know – the fact is he was the one that we could always rely on to kind of have something different. And, you know, I, I don't think that's why he's not doing it anymore, you know, but I, I wonder sometimes if, you know, the other guys got together and they're like, we're just going to publish the same thing as everyone else so that nobody's the bad guy. And, but at the same time, then no one's the good guy. You know, I, I think that the only, the only danger, you know, one of the dangers in that is that we all kind of, lose out on what could be wonderful coverage. I don't, I don't doubt for a second that those three people can, can contribute something worthwhile. You know, I think that they may be afraid of kind of stepping on toes or, or seeing themselves kind of, you know, being separated from the fraternity. And, you know, that's too bad because I think they all have the chops to kind of ask a question that honestly, I don't think anyone would be upset about. I think if they did ask some questions that seemed like they were critical of the organization, I I've, you know, I've, I've asked enough people that I don't think anyone who you'd be asking would be that upset about it. You know, it sounds like the, pe- yeah. the only people who might be upset about it are the PR folk and the media relations folk. And, you know, that's kind of sort of what, you know, was at the crux of that intersection where we we're all kind of looking in different directions. So, you know, that's the other that's the other way is, is there somebody kind of keeping you from asking those questions once you do have access. So, I, you know, again, I don't have the answers, guys. I wish I did. I really do. But, you know, it's it's kind of a situation where we're at a stalemate. We're at a six-way intersection, and everyone is just kind of waiting for someone else to turn. And, you know, that's uh, kind of a boring way to live. But you know, here we are. Someone's going to eventually hit the hit the brakes, and, and someone else is going to squeal through the intersection, and then finally we'll have a break. But until then, here we are. I like that. I was going to describe it as yeah. a Mexican stand-up, but I like the, the six-way intersection a lot better. It's like a roundabout. I lived in Chicago for five years, and when you get to a six-way <laughs> intersection, it was it was pandemonium. So it seemed appropriate. 
So the next question, yeah. um, and I'm going to kind of rephrase this one because it's uh, this question about do you foresee bloggers being credentialed in the in the future? And I, I don't think that that's a question of, of if but when. Um, yeah. And based on that, do you how close do you think the wings are to accepting that? I know that one of the the main concepts out there has been that uh, teams that have gone through the crash and have had to really scramble to figure out how to rebuild a interest in a fan base have have almost had to do that because it it yeah. you know it, no new no press is bad press um, the wings aren't there yet are, are they going to have to get there before. Uh, we get that kind of insider access for the the nothing to lose bloggers. <laughs> I, I wonder if it's kind of. I, I think it might be. It, this is a terrible situation to be waiting for because I don't. I don't know that the wings are that far away from kind of uh, kind of crashing a little bit. Like you know, I, I certainly don't want to see that, but I don't think they're that far away considering the way that things have gone. Um, at the same time, I know that they are are very. I, I, I've. I've been told the reasons why they aren't accepting bloggers and they will not be accepting bloggers this year. That's a fact. Um, you know, is it a race to that situation? I don't, I hope not. Um, at the same time, I feel like it's going to have to happen because traditional media can't, it, it just, it's not going to last forever. And, you know, as much as that pains me to say, because I, I am, you know, a little bit romantic about, the newspaper and old media. And I, you know, I studied this in school. Like I, I do love it. Um, but it, it's, it's a fact that it's going away. Um, I'd hate for it to be a race to see what happens first. The newspapers all failing or the Red Wings failing. Like that's not a good situation to be in. Um, but you know, I, I don't think they're that close. Um, you know, I've been, I've, I've been told very specific reasons why uh, they've made the decisions that they have. And, that's fair. You know, that's their right. They, you know, they aren't obligated to offer access to anyone. Um, does that mean that that'll change in a year? I, you know, I, I think that, I think that they're going to have to reevaluate at least their, the optics of the situation. I don't think that bloggers are the answer. And, you know, this again, wasn't, you know, what I wanted to kind of address with that article. Like that, this certainly isn't, I think it's one way of, of kind of writing a wrong, but it's not what my intention was when I was writing that article. But nevertheless, I think that they're going to be forced to address the optics of their situation where they have three people that they allow in that locker room and all three of them, you know, write nonsense, you know. So I think that it's I think that it, they're at least aware that people are aware, if that makes sense, that their coverage is is whack. Uh, and so hopefully one day they'll fix that. You know, I, I, are bloggers the answer? I, 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 I'm not going to say yes. I think that it would certainly help kind of push things along. And actually somebody who was quoted in the article had a very kind word, had words for me and was saying, you know, if I were around, it may have been a different story because, you know, he knew me well enough to know that I would ask questions that people want the answers to or that even the players would have fun answering. And that would force everyone else to adapt. And I think that's all you know, asking a new person in the locker room would do. I think if there was a new person, whether it's a blogger or whether it's like a, you know, a, a newspaper equivalent of a color comment, you know, commentator, I think that it would, they would at least see that someone else is doing this job and, you know, asking some interesting questions and, and getting some interesting kind of, you know, fan engagement, so to speak, and they'd be forced to adapt. And I think that's what it's going to have to take. Whether that means the Red Wings have to tank before they do it, 
I don't know. I, I know that the people who are in charge of that organization are very, very stubborn. And I don't mean Ken Holland, although he's, you could argue he's stubborn too, but the people who make those kinds of decisions, you know, are very stubborn about what, you know, who they're going to allow to have access to their players and their management. So, you know, whether it's a changing of the guard from top to bottom, I, I don't know. I really don't. I, you know, I think that, um, I think that, Mr. Illich is, you know, nothing short of a hero to the city of Detroit and the state of Michigan. And I'd hate to think that, you know, things are the way they are because he's old school. But I, I do think that the people that, you know, he's kind of insulated the team with might be. So, you know, does that mean everyone's got to leave for things to change? I, I, you know, I hope not, but maybe, maybe it is. Yeah. Now you've been told, reasons why bloggers aren't going to get credentials. Um, and obviously yeah. we know that one of them is the concept that um, we bloggers with, with nothing to lose with our, our normal day jobs and that we're just fan hobbyists um, are, yeah. are a dangerous breed. Have you heard anything beyond that? And I, I kind of want to pose this to the whole, to everybody on here is, is what is, yeah. uh, what are our specific responses to that criticism? Yeah, I, you know, I, I've been kind of going back and forth on whether or not I should say anything, and I guess we may as well just, you know, come out with it. I heard from the Red Wings after the article was posted, and, you know, um, that's not surprising. I was expecting to. Um, what I wasn't expecting, and I'm still not sure if this is a PR thing or not, um, was that they were they were actually very complimentary of what I said, which took me a little by surprise. You know, they were very impressed that I asked these questions and that. I've posed the challenge to, to them and you know, what they perceived as a challenge to, to them and to everyone else. And, you know, that, that meant a lot to me. I don't know if it was a PR thing, like that they were hoping I would say that they approached me. And, you know, I, that's why I've been so hesitant to kind of make, you know, notice of that. But um, at the same time, you know, they were like, you know, we've discussed allowing bloggers. And again, I, you know, I, I want to reiterate, that's not why I wrote what I wrote. You know, it wasn't about getting bloggers access. It was more about getting the people who have access to do the job we all want them to do. But nevertheless, I was told that not only do they not have someone to answer to, so to speak, you know, the editorial thing we already spoke about, but there's also a situation where um, you know, they mentioned um, specifically the Joe Thornton situation. You know, somebody, you know, took a quote allegedly out of context about him, you know, whipping it out and stroking it if he ever scored four goals, and that was a blogger, and therefore <laughs> it seemed like it seemed like a blogger was only after the juicy quote and to get someone in trouble. Well, um, you know, I, I wasn't about to argue with them, but that was a credentialed media writer that actually wrote that. So, you know, you can you can blame whoever you want for that situation, but that's that's not the way it went down, really. Um, this was someone who had access to Joe Thorne and was in a scrum being asking questions. And, you know, if the argument then becomes they don't know the proper way to kind of see when something's being choked about and being should be left off the record. Well, you know, I, I'm not going to tell, tell them that they're wrong, but, you know, I, I think that it's, it's kind of a ridiculous example to give because, um, you know, are bloggers looking for hits? Of course. Is the free press looking for hits? Yeah. I don't know how it's different. You know, I, I think that the, the only difference is that they, there's a perception of accountability 
on the on the part of you know a newspaper because there's someone who kind of proofreads it before it goes out and when you know miss st james's career is done she will have a very long list of articles that she has written this is her life's work and this is what she you know she has a a, a reputation to uphold and and that's fair you know that's a fair argument I, you know to say though that no one else has that i think is is a little bit short-sighted I think that there's there are other people and there are other ways of kind of cross-checking and you know you don't just let anyone who asks for it to have access to the to the stadium and to the players but you know we could each of us could name three or four people right now that could do a good job in that locker room and would not take advantage of that situation and I think that that's really unfortunate that they're kind of lumping everyone who's not a newspaper writer together and saying these people are bad because X, Y, Z. You know, I, I don't think that it takes that much effort to find who's responsible and who's respectful. And frankly, if they were looking into me and the things that the production line did, I wouldn't be surprised if I would be denied access based on some of those things. You know, that's their right to deny access to whoever they want. But at the same time, I think they would have a hard time arguing that I don't know what I'm talking about and I wouldn't be engaging and I wouldn't be able to ask um you know, educated questions. And, and if that's the kind of coverage that they're after, and they should be, then they wouldn't, it wouldn't be that difficult to find people who knew how to offer it, you know. And, and so, you know, I, I hate to kind of say something like that because it, it is, it, it's it's not a blanketing statement like they, they kind of claim that it is, um, you know, but they're not wrong. You know, there are, the there is really no way of preventing someone from saying something that you know they don't want you know out in the world well, at the same time then that's not you know that's kind of what the whole premise of that article was is all well, now you're controlling what the message is and that's not really right yeah. either that's absolutely a double-edged sword is you either have you either risk that somebody's going to say something and the thornton situation is, is weird to me because i don't for i i don't see that as a bad thing uh that right that actually made me like Joe Thornton a little bit. Um, it w- showed yeah. a little bit of personality. I think that. That's um, that's but obviously, I'm, and I'll say this: I'm not every Sorry, fan. I'm, I'm not necessarily. Yeah, I'm not necessarily the the common fan. Uh, I'm a I'm a hockey diehard, so I I see that as a great. Somebody finally showed personality. Where a, a common fan is like, well, how do I explain to my kid that won't somebody right. think of the children? Please, this right. guy wants to right. whip his gun <laughs> hey, yeah. during a game. Right. Um, so it's it's weird to me that, that that it's either that or it's you get these kind of canned answers or like Babcock said uh, to Malik once you know oh you start fires you're a blogger um, well without much else to to go off of I mean we kind of have to that's basically our job is, is speculation and we said this I said this on Wim Radio last week if the media were doing their goddamn jobs. Um, it would be way, way harder for for Wim. It, it's actually kind of a good thing uh, for us, at yeah. least, that they're not doing these better things. Because basically, our what we do is we're reading the tea leaves the, for what they're saying and uh, offering that fan perspective that that we're not getting. No, that's absolutely true. And, and you know, the other another part of that is that you know they we're we're doing somebody mentioned it, and I think I think I put it in the article. But the guy who used to work for the Wings was saying that. You know, it's a tragedy that that people do this for free and they do it a hell of a lot better than the people who are being paid to do it. And, you know, that that's nice to hear um, because we obviously have 
um, a lot less connection and a lot less ability to do these things and a lot less incentive too, frankly. And, you know, I've, I've long felt that the coverage was better from, from independent sources that were not in the room. And, and that's remarkable considering that they have literally no access whatsoever. And so, you know, I, I think that um, you know, something that um, is kind of relevant is when Kyle Kajawa was with the Griffins, who, by the way, and I, I know we kind of, I mentioned this on Twitter, like I, the, the one thing I might regret is that I didn't reach out to him because I do consider him a friend of mine and I, I don't want him to feel like he was blindsided in this situation. And, you know, I was actually a little surprised that people kind of latched on to him, uh, his name from a, a very long quote. And I guess the reason they did that is because he's quote unquote, one of us, you know, he started where we started and he's, he's made good on it. And he, he's a very bright kid who does a remarkable job at, at you know, what he does for a living. So, um, I do feel a little bit bad that he was kind of dragged through the mud, even though that, that certainly wasn't, you know, it, it, it's a, a real kind of throwaway end of a long quote and people kind of latched onto him because, you know, of, of who he is. But when he was with the Griffins and we were doing um, the pipeline where we'd have uh, Red Wings um, prospects on and we'd talk to them for a half hour or whatever, Kyle was wonderful. And there was a there was an instance where we had it was Brendan Smith I'll never forget it we had Brendan Smith on this was before he, obviously he joined the Wings, and he said something that was a little bit wonky like like maybe he shouldn't have said that, and you know even at the end of the conversation Kyle even mentioned and he's like man he's like they're not gonna like if they hear that he said that and I offered I said you want me to trim it like I don't want Kyle to get in trouble. I don't want Brendan Smith to get in trouble. He has a hard enough time staying out of trouble at that time anyway. Um, you know, and he, Kyle was like, you know, Kyle's response was, no, he said it. He's got to live with it. And it's like, that's, I, I admire that quite a bit because he had the opportunity to censor what was being said and he didn't take it. You know, that the same goes for Joe Thornton. I don't understand how it's the blogger's fault. Not that, you know, we've already established that it was a credentialed media member, but I don't understand how it's the writer's fault that Joe Thornton said something stupid, which JJ's right. It's hilarious and, you know, shouldn't be taken as seriously as people did. And, you know, how do you explain it to your kids? Well, then that's your job as a parent is to explain that to your kids, first of all. But second of all, it's not, it's not the responsibility of the writer to say, ooh, should I say that? You know, it's, it's Joe Thornton's responsibility to not open his mouth if he doesn't want something publicized. So these are professionals. They get coached on what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. And you can't tell me that, you know, he didn't know what he was doing or didn't expect someone with Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that, that keeps popping up in my mind is that I'll, I'll say this. As, as a blogger, I personally am not interested in – in credentials. I don't want a digger's job. I don't want to be in the locker room. I like being a fan. Um, I don't want to go up to the press box uh, because I would just, I would want to cheer there. That's that's just who I am and, and where I stand. Um, yeah, I, I guess I don't really have anybody to answer to. If if I were to lose uh, basically any access to the wings and I would uh, or or be irresponsible to them, where they would have basically no recourse for me. I can go back to my day job and, and continue to do that. Um, However, the other thing is that since I'm not beholden to them, I am a fan, uh, there is that, that perspective that, that I think that, that we have that would be incredibly valuable for the team to 
give that access to somebody who really wants to be a fan, who wants to be a little uh, in love with being in the locker room and kind of share with other fans, hey, this is how freaking great everything is. Um, I think that's that's well worth the risk because that's not what the Diggers are for. I'm not saying the Diggers don't love the Red Wings. I don't know if they do or not. But obviously it's it's well known that they they are professionals and they treat their job very professionally. Um, and I don't think that necessarily professionalism is – uh, or the lack of professionalism means necessarily uh, this kind of dangerous, speculative, uh, sharing, gossipy bullshit uh, if if you let them into the locker room. Right, and, and even taking that a step further, as people who who have been around this game, I mean, writers aren't necessarily hockey people. You know, they're they're good writers, and look at Jesse Spector. You know, he he for a long time wrote at the uh, the Sporting News. Um, it's my understanding, not a, a huge hockey guy. Uh, and when the opportunity came for him to, to, to leave the NHL and cover major league baseball, he jumped at it. And, you know, I, you know, that, that's wonderful. If he, he's a, he's a very good writer and he, he asked very wonderful questions and I loved reading the stuff, even though I, you know, it was never about the wings, but it was like, he, he knew how to do that job. And that's all that people need, frankly. And, you know, you're right. It, they don't have to be big old hockey fans. But on the other side of that, if you do get a hockey fan or someone who's who, you know, has been around this game long enough to, you know, have something to add or has a little like inside way of asking, I think that's very helpful. And, you know, something that we um, found on the pipeline was, you know, there was a time I can't remember which player it was now, but he get, he's like, I only have 10 or 15 minutes and we're like, whatever, we'll take it. And, you know, I, I personally, I played hockey for 17 years. I made it through collegiate hockey, and now I coach at a, a AAA prep school in Pittsburgh. And so I've, I've, I've been around the game for a long, long time and was able to kind of ask some questions that I'm certain they were never asked before. Um, you know, and that's not to say, that's not to, you know, toot my own horn. That's to say, frankly, that no one else knows to ask these things because they were not athletes or they were not hockey players or they don't particularly know certain, you know, things that happen on, you know, the first day of practice in your new team, you know, things like that. And we ended up talking to that kid for like an hour and a half. And I kept asking him, like, are you sure you don't have to go? He's like, no, I'm having a blast. You know, and it was nice to hear because you could tell that no one else has kind of like asked him anything that he gave a shit about answering. And, you know, they, they have their canned responses to things and they, they are very conscientious about what they say. And, we weren't asking anything that, you know, was relevant, frankly. We were just kind of asking things about, um, you know, their the way that they do things, the way they prepare, and, you know, what what they do with equipment on this day and what they ate on that day. And, like, just, you know, things that you, you would think other people would think to ask. And, you know, they he lit up. I think it was Landon Ferraro, actually, now that I think about it. Like, Landon Ferraro wanted all – all he wanted was to talk hockey. And, you know, I'll, I'll talk hockey with anyone who wants to talk hockey for the, you know, until they go deaf. So, you know, if that's what it takes is for someone who is a fan or someone who does kind of have a background that's different from the one that the, that the diggers have, I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, and it doesn't even have to be a former hockey player. It can be an athlete. It can be anyone who has an interest level that is different from the one that the writers have, you know, to ask from a different angle is all we're after. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's one more question about the article itself, and then I kind of want to actually talk about the upcoming season a little bit because uh, okay. there's still lots of questions there. But um, a 
question about the organizational access for other bloggers. It says, so in the article, we saw that Michael was basically given some access credentials by the organization for a while, then cut off. Do you know of any other noteworthy writers in the Wings blogosphere who were given access, and if so, did they also lose it? Uh, just curious if other bloggers have had the experience of being blackballed. Uh, I thought Malik had more access at one point than he does now, for example. Right. Well, I, you know, as far as as far as George is concerned, I'd, I'd be more comfortable if he answered that question. You know, I I, I don't want to assume and I don't want to speak for him. Uh, as far as the other part of that question, then, you know, do I know about people who had access and then had it revoked? I you know, not personally, but I have gotten a couple of notes from people who have kind of shared their stories with me and two specifically um, called out some very, very specific things that they could not have made up. Um, named people, uh, gave dates. One kid wrote me an email with with actual dates of when things happened and an email chain. You know, he, he asked some questions to somebody that somebody, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to give it away. I didn't ask if it was okay to, to talk about it, but he, you know, he asked somebody, it was not a player. It was someone else who works, you know, for the team, asked him some questions who turned around immediately and said, I can't answer any of these until we talk to John Hahn. And then, you know, said, I'd, I'd love to answer these questions because they're relevant to, to my job and no one ever asks me questions, but, you know, it's a requirement that we kind of, you know, get a heads up from, from the PR that it's okay. No, I heard from other people that that's not how things operate, but obviously this guy had an email chain, you know, that sort of proved it that, yeah, he did have to ask permission and that, you know, they censored it quite a bit before they let him run with it. And it took two months to get the answers. And, you know, this is not the way that, that traditional media is treated. And there's a reason for that we've already discussed, but, you know, it does sound like it's not that uncommon that people are kind of treated with kid gloves and, and kind of hoping they'll go away and uh, certainly, you know, are, are given less access than maybe they once had. So, you know, it, it does sound like that, that does exist, but I'm not going to speak for anyone else. All I can speak about is, is my experience. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if it was, if it was the team being, um, you know, you know, malicious about it so much as just kind of being ignorant of it, you know, that's, that's certainly possible too. So there it is. All right. Well, first question about the, uh, the upcoming season, uh, Graham, how are you doing? Are you, are you alive? Still? <laughs> oh yeah. I've just, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> fun to listen to. <laughs> my wife came home I'm from work. I'm long winded. Sorry. Now my wife came home from work. So I really probably spent about half of that talking to her, you know, Okay. Yeah, I was wondering how her day went and so on. My wife. <laughs> Sorry, a little bit of humor for you guys, just so we can laugh, have some fun. No, I mean there are some humorous questions anyway. in here. Um, Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> what do y'all think? Um, it's okay, I guess. <laughs> I'm not definitely, I'm definitely not busting down my door. I'd, I'd rather like just buy chocolate and vanilla because I wouldn't yeah, eat like, strawberry anyway. So. Yeah. One for the price of three ice cream. You just eat a stripe of the good stuff and then, like, throw the rest of the shit away or hope somebody else in the, the household eats it. Yeah. Right, Does exactly. Does anybody prefer the strawberry in Neapolitan? No. I mean, I'll eat it just because I don't want to waste money, but other than that, no, fuck that. That's why I had kids. I'd give them that ice cream because they don't care. They're dumb. Like yeah, because they're great. stupid idiots. <laughs> Give it yeah, to the dog like, and oh, put it in their bowl. You're giving me ice cream. 
Uh, Holmes from 96 wants to know if Michael can touch his tongue to his nose. I cannot. I have a giant Italian uh, nose, but not not a big tongue. Okay. <laughs> what an answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go beyond that. <laughs> uh, the, probably the best one is the, the FMK uh, between Helene Khan and Colfan. Who wants to tackle? I'm gonna make I'm gonna make Michael that. Go ahead, Mike. FMK. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what's the question well, again? It's FMK between uh, Helene St. James, Ansar Khan, and, and Teddy Colfin. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, is Colfin not Plinus? Oh, that changes things. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ted Colfin seems like he'd be a hell of a dude to hang out with. So let's go. I'll, I, I guess we'll marry him. I think we'll marry him. <laughs> Just because, you know, he he might be a fun guy to have a beer with. Um, man, not leaving as much on the well. I, you know what? I'm I, I'm a heterosexual man, although I'm very happily married. So I, I suppose we would have to, you know, simply by uh, deduction, I would uh, I would prefer. You don't have to say it at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. I mean, I, I mean, look, it's not a runaway. Right. It's it's not a happy question, and it's not a happy thought. So. Right. Um, Those are. JJ, why would you ask that question? Uh, I didn't ask that. Upstate Nick asked that question. (laughs) Why would you bring? Oh, god damn it, Nick! (laughs) I I would marry Colfan just for the hilarity of the honeydew list that he would make up, because I would assume (laughs) that. They would be like his tweets. Like you would get a text message that says, you know, pick up Malk or something like that. So, uh, you know, Lo- I, this, was, yeah. this was a long, long time ago. Lola and Tyler went back and forth with what sexting must be like with Ted Colson. <laughs> I remember it was, that. I remember it. It was just hilarious. And, you know, I, it's the kind of thing that um, that you know makes me love this whole community is that they found something ridiculous and just ran with it and it was just so much fun you know it, it, it was it was nothing other than to laugh at and it you know you exact same thing graham was just saying i i can't um, i can't picture him spelling anything right this is a professional writer right. who can't spell words right it's remarkable uh it's i his his tweets are him and uh him and krupa are probably my two favorite Detroit media tweeters. Oh, um, because Krupa's Krupa's uh, there. There was a time in the about the middle of the season where I think I almost devoted a column on my tweet deck for him during games <laughs> because they were just some. There's some great stuff on there. Um, so yeah, so Mary Coulson. Um, yeah, I'd probably. Go with Helene, but yeah, tough. Anyways, I don't think I would tell anybody after. That's that would probably be my that'd probably be my response. You'd revoke her credentials if she told somebody too, yeah. <laughs> right. Did she deny, do you think she'd deny access? <laughs> uh, this has gotten uncomfortable. We should move on to, uh, to other things. Anyways. It's the correct answer, though. I mean, you're both absolutely right as far as uh, 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 who you should uh, marry and and F and K. Um, Mike, what do you think about this uh, this upcoming season? I mean, how 
much of a chance do you think the Red Wings have, provided nothing else changes with the roster? And obviously that uh, Tatar and the Kaiser re-signed, because I think there's a lot of concern that uh, sometimes RFAs, they're, they're going to re-sign. But yeah. assuming nothing else changes, um, what, what do you think the, the Wings' chances are like? I don't think they're good. I think it's the same roster they've had for three or four years now, and it hasn't been good enough yet. Why would it be good enough now? You know, I, I know last year was was rife with injuries, but there's no reason to think that that would change. You know, nothing else has changed. So, you know, I, I have a hard time seeing that this team can compete. Um, I think that they're going to be better. Let's pretend for a minute they all stay healthy. You know, best case scenario is they, they certainly improve on last year because they, they've got two of their best players back and healthy. And the young players who were so helpful last season are a year older. And, um, you know, assuming they're given the chance to play this year, uh, that there's no reason to think that they wouldn't at least be able to improve on, on their eighth place finish. But at the same time, everyone else in the league has improved around them. So just being the same is not going to cut it, and I think they all know that. Right. Mike, I got a question for you. Um, now, you're probably the most vocal person about it, and you, you definitely um, you definitely inspire others, I think, including me. Um, what do you think – where do you think Glenn Denning and where he ends at the end of the season? <laughs> well <laughs> – I, here's the thing. Because, you know, what's honest, I, it's like he's the nicest kid, and, like, he really is, yeah. and he's smart, but he's just so stupidly overmatched, and it's not his fault. So I'll let you go yeah. ahead and do your thing now. Yeah, no, he it's not his fault, and he seems like a great dude. And, like, his quotes in the lo- from the locker room are the best quotes of anyone that the team has. And that's saying something, because I like what, when Nick Cronwell gets on a roll, it's fantastic. But Luke Lindenning is wonderful, 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 wonderful in the press. Um, I think he's outmatched at this level of hockey. And, like, you know, I think that he has something intangible, which is obviously what Coach Babcock sees. But – you're not wrong. He is vastly outmatched in in every situation imaginable. And I had people, this was last season when I was getting on my anti-Glendenning tear, you know, people were kind of regurgitating what the, what the diggers would, would report about him. They're like, he's good at face-offs. Well, no, he's not. He was the second worst on the team in face-offs. So just because someone tells you that doesn't mean you get to believe it, you know, and they're like, right. he's good on the PK. He's atrocious on the PK. And I, yes. I don't, I don't care for fancy stats very much. Like, I, I think that you can, you know, they have a place. I don't think they're the only thing that you should be quoting like some some people have gone to do. But even his fancy stats were atrocious. And I, I could give a shit about Corsi. But I, I looked it up at some point during the season, and it was it was horrible. And I'm like, there's not a single redeeming quality about this this young kid. And, you know, as far as on the ice is concerned. And that's too bad because I want him to succeed. You know, I, I want a kid who worked his ass off to get there to stay there. Um, you know, I think that he is your fourth line center, period. Like, I think that it's, it goes without saying the way that he was entrusted this past season and the way that he's, you know, he was doled out last year, you know, I don't think it's going to be any different. I think that there's going to be someone sitting and he's going to be playing. Mm-hmm. And perhaps he improves and he gets better, and I would, I, would, I would certainly welcome that. But the last thing we need is another player like him 
You know, at the time we had Eves and we have Miller and we have Abdulkader and we have Helm and we the list on and on and on and on, and he can't do any of the things that the Red Wings are claiming he can do. You know, right. so I, I I want him to be good, I really do, but he's not, and you know that's that's really you know unfortunate, but you know I I do think he is in Sharpie a fourth line center because of you know. Mm-hmm you know, whatever someone sees in him. And I'm not going to pretend to know this, this game better than coach Babcock. I mean, there's no doubt he is the brightest hockey mind on the planet. So he obviously sees something and I certainly don't. So, you know, we're, we're just going to have to disagree there. And I don't blame you for right. coach Babcock's side in that argument. Yes. You know, that would be the one that you should take. I found with the, yeah. the Glenn Denning thing for me, with the people who really supported him was after that Pittsburgh game where it was he went up against yeah. Crosby and shut Crosby down. It was like it was one game. Yeah, like it he, was, not, he didn't even really shut him down no. like, as much as no, he didn't. that game, that win, like when I look back at it, was sheer dumb luck and bad goaltending and just defensive breakdowns yeah. on the Pittsburgh side. It's just, I'll say, I'll say this. Um, I live in Pittsburgh now. And you know they, yeah. the coverage the coverage here is dominated by the fact that Sidney Crosby is sent out there on his own, and you know they, part right. of the reason that that Bilesma is gone and that they they keep acquiring wingers is to try something to get it going, you know. And you know he he did play well with Kunitz, you know, for most of the season. But the fact is, if you shut down Sidney Crosby one game, you know that is a feat. He is a, a magnificent hockey player, but you know. It's also worth noting that he can't do this shit on his own for 82 games, and he was asked to. You know, he has Malkin on the team, but he he gets dispatched on the ice with you know complete garbage half the time, and you know that's right. that's a tough boat for anyone to row. So you know, I, you can't take away from there. There have been times where Luke Landenning did have a good game, like that. You know, I, I'm man enough to admit that I've you know I, I've seen some things that he's done that he's done really well. But at the same time, like all I would ask is that people admit that he there's other things he just does not do well. And a perfect example I'll give is this, and I, I almost hope he's on the same situation this upcoming season. But if he's on the PK, take a look at him. And you know he was he was with Miller a lot last year, if my if I remember correctly. And Miller just kind of like he Miller's got the wheels. He moves around, and Luke Lundenning stays relatively static, which is fine. That can be his position that he's been told to play on the penalty kill, but. 100% of the shots, and I'm going to go ahead and guarantee this for 2014-2015, 100% of the shots that come on the power play are his man. And that's fine. Like You, you can allow shots. There are smart shots to allow. They come from the point, and the, the goalie's got a clear view of it. Let him have it. Um, but it's clear to me, which means it's clear to you know everyone else in the league, that, that they're targeting him, that he's an easy get-by, you know, and People people all often say, oh, well, he block, you know, not this isn't for Glenn Denning, but there are, there are players who block so many shots, and that's the best thing that that they do. Blocking a lot of shots is is evidence of allowing a lot of shots to be taken. You know, it, it certainly does take a lot of balls to jump in front of one, and it's it's not fun. I've been there, and it hurts. Right. You know? But but the fact is, if you're getting if you're blocking four shots of shifts, that that means that they've targeted you. They know that you're not mm-hmm. going to block them all and that you're the weak link on this unit. And that's what Luke Glendening is. And it's apparent to everyone who's running the power play against him because every single shot that comes off 
the stick is the guy that's six feet in front of him. So that's something that, that right. you know, perhaps that's part of his, you know, part of his deal, but his stats would seem to indicate it should not be. <laughs> well, that's post spray. Part of where the eyeball test lies to you, too, because it looks like Glenn Denning is, is doing a lot while he's on the power play because he's moving around a lot. Um, and yeah. he's moving around a lot because he's not efficient in his Out motion. Um, yeah. Miller tends to to go under the radar because he's uh, he's an absolute genius at being in lanes. Uh, it's it's yeah. sometimes amazing to watch him on the penalty kill because he is that good at just preventing people from being able to take a good shot. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't have that kind of an outlet or that kind of speed up the ice to to have the helm yeah. breakaway capability. And and helm is. Right, Helm is like Glenn Denning, but good really, as as far as that's concerned, because Helm isn't as good positionally, but he is way better than Glenn Denning is at it. So he gets a few more opportunities to bust up ice. But that's that's another thing is, and I kind of wrote that in the the Glenn Denning versus Anderson article is that Anderson doesn't look as as much fun. Yeah. Um, he doesn't right. look as good because Glenn Denning is is quick and he's always bouncing off of people. Um, where. Yeah. Anderson does look like a newborn fawn, um, but it, it, what matters is when, if they're, like you said, if they're keying on you on the power play, obviously the other team understands that you're the weak link. Yeah. I would love, so, yeah. you know, if if Datsuk and Zetterberg don't play the penalty kill, which I know that they sometimes have, you know, I, I try to run my team. Obviously this, this doesn't, this doesn't equate in any way. I coach a U16 team, but, I tried to keep it so that it, you know my top guys aren't on the on the penalty kill, and if that's how the Red Wings want to operate, if they want to carry two lines of guys that are going to be valuable penalty killers and defensive specialists, that's that's fine. Like I, I don't have any issue with that. The only thing I would ask is that they actually be a defensive specialist, and that's not what Luke Glendening seems to be when he's on the ice. So that's you no, know, he's certainly not an offensive specialist, which kind of brings us back <laughs> to the first question: is is what the hell is he doing here? So that's you know that's a question I've been asking for forty. What are we up to? Forty five games he's played now. It's forty five more than I played. So there we go. Yeah, Glenn uh, Denning. Well, according to uh, Behind the Net, Glenn Denning's number one line mate on the penalty kill was Drew Miller. Boom, nailed it. Right. And Kyle Quincy. So now I'm going to watch the oh. video. Glenn Denning and Quincy are lined up on the same side, and then we'll really know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wolf. Mm-hmm. But plus, I mean, I think this, think this year we've got another. Go ahead, Kyle. Do you think I? This could be another long tenured question, obviously. But I mean, we only have seven minutes got left. Guys like, oh, okay. Well, shit, my app. Um, do you think you see kids like, like a, uh, like, like a uh, Marchenko or School who get their shot? This, do you think anybody gets their shot? Because obviously, injuries are going to be there. I fully expect. Mrazek to get at least solid starts this season um, just because Gustafson is made of cotton in my opinion and he's just you know he's not going to he's going to get fucked up somehow um, do you see do you see anybody coming out of the gate and taking a spot on, on the blue line I, I, I think that history has taught us not to expect that They've been telling right. us for years that it's going to be someone who's going to come in and take a spot, and they never, ever, 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 ever allow that to happen, ever. And I, I mean, there was there was a situation a few years ago. Uh, man, I'm gonna. This is. I want to say it's four, 
four training camps ago. Shit, I don't remember now. But it, there was, you know, they're like, what what they do in preseason and what they do in camp is going to matter, you know. And then I saw somebody, like, destroy the preseason, and they were still sent down. And that's right. going to be the case until there's a, um, a philosophical shift. Like, it's going to happen. Thomas Yurko is going to start the season in Grand Rapids, assuming that they sign everyone to fill out that roster. That's just the right. way it is. You know, and I think it's I think it's horse shit and it's you know, they they've been preaching that the best players are gonna play and they've never once actually sent the best players to play. So I think that's baloney. Right. Um I I'm hoping beyond hope that Mantha comes in and just scores like forty eight goals in three preseason games so that they're forced <laughs> to, to actually make a a, a different change or address the fact that they're they're bullshit artists. Because if he does look effective in every game he plays and every time he's on the ice and then you still send him down, well, that's sending a mixed message to these kids who are working their asses off, you know. Right. And, and Mitch Callahan got in a little trouble last season or the season before where everyone was getting called up around him and he was leading the Griffins in scoring or, or second or something, you know. And he tweeted, uh, smart ass, hard work pays off with a question mark. And, you yeah. know, it's it's not – it's not going to be much longer before we start to lose some of these kids. Frankly, I'm shocked Nyquist resigned. Like, why would you? Like, I understand that you're a restricted free agent and your options are fairly limited, but and same thing goes with Tatar. What about my experience with the team has proven that I want to be here because they want me here? You know, is the, those right. are the kind of questions I'd be I'd be asking. And I, it's only a matter of time before we lose one of these kids when we send them down to Grand Rapids for a third season. And, you know, he's like, I, I don't understand what else I have to do. And if I'm not going to get my opportunity here because you keep signing Dan Cleary, then let me go somewhere else and play hockey. And I don't think that that's an unreasonable thing to, to expect. And I, I, part of me thinks that's the reason Morazic got re-upped immediately on July 1st was because I, I think he must have been like, fuck this noise, I'm out of here. You know, and, you know, he, he doesn't have a whole lot of options because he's restricted, but he can go to Europe if he wants. You know, but I feel like they gave him that one-way deal for next season to kind of say, even if we don't put you in the NHL, which would be a, a crime against humanity, you're going to get paid like an NHLer, which, you know, yeah. for a, a real athlete is, is very little consolation. But, you know, I, I guess you don't have any negotiating chips, so you'll take what you can get. So I hope against hope that Mantha comes in and blows it up. Um I'm uh, kind of good buddies with, um, not good buddies, but acquaintances with Andreas Athanasius' older brother. And uh, this is before he was drafted, you know, by the Wings. I was a fan of his in, in London and then you know, subsequently in Barrie. But that kid, you know, he's got some tools, man. I tell you what, I don't think yeah, he's going to yeah. leapfrog. I don't think he's going to leapfrog Mantha, but I, I think that he may have a problem with sitting in Western Michigan for four seasons until his waivers are up. So he was a you know, standout we'll in, in development camp, and he's uh, yeah. he's very very cognitive and very uh, aware of his abilities, yep. and he's one of those cocky players who knows yep. what he's doing. So he he requested a trade from London. He was he was the London Knights team he was on was a powerhouse. Like they were disgusting how the talent that they had. And he didn't get a whole right. lot of minutes. He was unhappy about it. He played two seasons there, he right. barely got on the ice. And he requested a trade. They made it to Barry and he was an absolute disgusting freak of nature this season in Barry. And you know, yeah. I, I think that, that I think that 
knowing at least his brother, knowing his brother how I do, I, I, I don't have any doubt for a second he had a giant smile on his face as a kind of fuck you London every time he put one in the net. <laughs> and, you know, well, I, I can kind of see – I can see him having that attitude in Detroit, which I don't think is a bad thing. Like, I certainly don't want a team full of kids with an attitude like that. But if the kid deserves to play hockey, then you right. got to let him play hockey. And, like, that's, yeah, that's all it comes down to for all me. All right. We are at the uh, the two-minute warning, gentlemen, and this uh, this will, like, flat-out cut us off. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do that now so we can at least say our goodbyes and our thank yous for uh, for joining us this week. Uh, I think that it's, uh, it's been a great bit of context, and I really – Thank you for allowing us to uh, to post that article and and also coming on here and and answering the follow up. Um, anytime you've got anything else to say, if you do want to write up the full follow up with based on the stuff you get, um, you you've always got a page available at uh, at Wim to do that if you want. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. It really does mean a lot to have you guys. Uh, you know, have my back on things like that, and I, I certainly enjoyed my time here. I'm sorry if I was long-winded. I have a way of kind of just talking. <laughs> no, no, we, it's, uh, it's, no nice. It's, it's nice. That was to fun. Yeah. All Thank right. You, uh, any uh, awesome. any final thoughts, uh, Graham or Kyle or Mike? I think uh, go Wings. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is don't lose sight of what we what we're all here for, and is that the prosperity of the Detroit Red Wings uh, franchise. And I hope to God by the time that this new stadium goes up that they have a whole new outlook on things. But, hey, I'll shit in one hand and wish in the other and see which one fills up quicker yeah. at this point. So, whatever. You're, you're going to be sitting in the Dan Cleary Pavilion of the new building. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> whatever. All right. I'm Take a hopeless fan. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Winging it. Winging it. Winging it.